Good evening. Thanks for joining us. Well, we're starting tonight with the Surrey homeowner that says he's now fearing for his safety after officers raided his basement suite this weekend to arrest one of the city's most wanted men. Grace Key has all the details in this Global News exclusive. That's her tenancy agreement. Gary Pahar is going over the rental agreement for the tenant in his basement suite. Soon after she moved in, he says there were problems right away with her boyfriend who ended up staying with her. He was smoker, in and out, banging doors, stuff, right? Acting weird. And uh, who's the suspicious guy in our property? Who's this guy, right? Gary wanted the boyfriend added on to the rental agreement, but red flags went up when the boyfriend said he lost his wallet. Everything came to a head on Saturday afternoon when several Surrey RCMP officers with guns drawn swept in on his home. I said, what's going on? Tell me something, right? Why they're like, everybody's with the guns, uh, police is here. He said, well, we are police, right? I said, what happened? Tell me. Then he started telling me, he said, we came to uh, arrest this guy. I said, what guy? He uh, he said, John. He said, no, 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 his name is not John. The details got even worse. His name was Aaron Norman, and he and his twin brother are on a special holiday wish list. When I was talking to the police officer and he told me, uh, oh, just go on sorry, most wanted list. Then I saw his name as Earl Norman, 24. I said, that's the same guy who was living here. Aaron Norman was wanted for failure to comply with a probation officer. He has a lengthy criminal history that includes assault, robbery, and weapons charges. Gary says he's learned an important lesson. He didn't check references until a week after the tenant moved in. I learned a big lesson, big one. You know what? Any. I'll probably suggest everyone, whoever is coming in, and you know what, don't let anybody move in without checking the reference. Gary is now fearful yeah, for his family and has handed the tenant an eviction notice. Grace Key, Global News. Hundreds of firefighters from across the country will be in Richmond tomorrow morning to honour one of their own. Captain Donald Brian Congas receiving a funeral with full honours after it was de- determined he died from PTSD related to his job. Paul Johnson has the story. Ryan was, uh, he was a really, a really good guy. Um, he was funny, good worker. He was, he was a good firefighter. Central Casting couldn't have supplied a more authentic fireman than Brian Congus. Big and strong and charismatic, Congus had a lot to live for, but he also had a tough job. He experienced some things that, that uh, people aren't meant to see. Despite decades on the job and having risen to the rank of captain, Congus had crippling post-traumatic stress disorder. For the man who was there for so many people on the worst days of their lives, in his time of crisis, there was nothing anyone could do for him. He was late diagnosed with PTSD and it eventually just consumed him. In August, he died at the age of 44, leaving behind a spouse and four children. He served the citizens of Richmond for 22 plus years and eventually the job was what killed him. When Brian started his career, that was a time when first responders who may have been struggling with something at work might have been just told to suck it up. It's part of the job, but that's changing. Suck it up is not part of what we do. At the funeral this fall for slain Abbotsford Police Constable John Davidson, their chief stressed the new thinking about PTSD. If you get hurt because you've responded heroically on behalf of this community doing your job, then I want you to take a knee. I want you to get help. 
though Congress wasn't able to get help in time. His family and colleagues have now learned that WorkSafe BC has ruled his death was work-related. And tomorrow, firefighters from across the country will gather in Richmond to remember a man who died in the line of duty. He is one of the ones that slipped through the cracks. Paul Johnson, Global News. Road closures will be in place between 10.20 and 11 o'clock tomorrow morning for the funeral procession, which starts at 10.851 Shelbridge Way, ends at Fraser View Church on Mellis Drive. The NDP government is set to make an announcement about grizzly bears tomorrow morning. A ban on trophy hunting across BC was announced earlier this year, but hunting for meat still allowed outside the Great Bear Rainforest. Critics arguing that the government didn't go far enough because of other species like the commode bear, also considered trophy worthy. The province has previously said that they would close loopholes, such as making it illegal for a hunter to keep the paws, head or hide of a grizzly bear to make sure that they are not disguised as meat hunts. South of the border, a company that runs a fish farm operation off Washington State where more than 160,000 Atlantic salmon escaped into Puget Sound in August has lost its lease to operate another farm. Washington State officials plans, uh, say that plans were cancelled after an investigation found the company violated the terms of its net pens. That farm will now be shut down and removed. It currently holds about 700,000 Atlantic salmon. The company now evaluating their next move. A warning if you're putting out rat poison to get rid of rodents after an owl ate a poisoned rat and was found dead in South Surrey. Tanya Beja has the details. And the owl was sitting way up, way up in the tree here. Christine Trozo spotted a barred owl on one of her birch trees Tuesday and grew concerned when it was still there the next day. I came out with a rake and kind of, you know, did a little raking to see if it would move and it didn't move. And intuition told me there was something wrong it was right down underneath right right here by thursday the juvenile bird had fallen dead in the yard of her surrey home poison never crossed my mind because your assumption is people don't do that anymore you know wrong trozo called the owl orphaned wildlife rehabilitation society raptor care manager rob hope believes the bird ingested poison so this is one of two freezers that are full of uh, bodies that we've received. One of nearly a dozen owls he suspects have died of the same fate. There's no sign of trauma, bruising, swelling, you know, broken bones, feathers out of place. Uh, that leads us to believe that uh, they have been poisoned. Sorry, sweetheart, we'll just give you some nummies. Hope is awaiting toxicology testing, but believes the dead owls ate rodents that ingested bromodialone, a potent powder common in rat poison. The rats become lethargic before they die, making them easy prey. Uh, rat poison doesn't only kill rats, uh, it kills dogs, uh, cats, birds, and sometimes even humans. If humans get a hold of it, you know, it can make them ill too. He wants homeowners to think twice about the unintended consequences of using rat poison. Christine Trozo is warning her neighbours, fearing someone's pet will fall ill next. Do not let your dog outside, even in your yard, you know, without your watching those dogs because there could be, who knows, thrown out there. Tanya Beja, Global News. 
seniors now being reported to be the latest victims of BC's affordable housing crisis. BC seniors advocate Isabel McKenzie says that rents have gone up by 45%, but the provincial rent subsidy for the elderly has gone up by only 9%. Advocates saying that some seniors are now being forced to couch surf, seek out roommates or even live in their vehicles. The provincial government says that the housing crisis is a top priority and is expected to announce a plan in its upcoming budget in February. The family of a missing Alberta couple whose plane vanished en route to Edmonton has now suspended their search. Dominic Neron and Ashley Borgo took off from Penticton Airport on November the 25th. They were headed for Edmonton, but they never made it. The Joint Rescue Coordination Centre was searching near Revelstoke, but they found no sign of the missing plane. The official search was called off, the family then starting their own private search. But now, due to bad weather conditions, they've called off their search too. They say they plan to start looking again in early spring. People living near the Adenak overpass in East Vancouver are preparing themselves for its temporary closure. That's going to happen next year. The Adenak overpass will be closed to motorists sometime in 2018. It's going to be for about six months. Fortis crews having to replace a natural gas pipe along East First Avenue. Now, the city says this way drivers trying to find a shortcut around the construction won't overwhelm the neighbourhood. But area residents worried that their community will be cut off. It's the nature of uh, parking protection for neighbourhoods is that uh, when we close off a route that's attractive for non-local traffic, um, it creates some inconvenience for some people who live in the neighbourhood because they have to take a longer route. But on the, on the plus side, uh, we maintain the safety and livability of the neighbourhood without you know steady stream of traffic coming through the neighbourhood. Um, I've actually been in this co-op for 20 years and this co-op has a lot of members that utilise this route whether we go up to Hastings in uh, Skeena. We have a lot of children that go to uh, Franklin School. We also have children that go to Lord, Hastings Community Centre, and also Hastings School. So we have, yeah, there's a lot of... um, This road actually works for a lot of us. Now, the city says once the closure begins, they will then continue to monitor the situation, and then they will work with the community to address their concerns. Still ahead tonight, well, if you've ever been to the airport and have had to wait to board your flights, it can get pretty long. But for some people in Dallas at an airport there, we'll show you the viral video that uh, shows an employee and a little girl entertaining everybody and making uh, time speed along pretty fast. And staying with airports, the chaos facing travelers in Atlanta. This is the world's busiest airport shut down by a power outage. We'll have the latest details for you on the way. Welcome back. Well, a fire in Georgia's underground facility knocked out power to an airport in Atlanta today, the busiest in the world. While the electricity is expected to be restored at midnight tonight, the outage causing massive delays and commuter chaos, leaving thousands stranded. Today, a full ground stop at Atlanta's Hartsfeld-Jackson Airport left nearly 100 aircrafts parked on the runway, none allowed to fly in or out. I personally (laughs) thought it was a really big... I don't know, terrorist attack or something crazy because the power was out and phones stopped working. And that was quite frightening. As international flights were diverted to other airports, passengers were trapped on the tarmac, waiting on board for hours after an electrical issue took down power in the airport's massive terminals. Inside, thousands of passengers waiting at their gates in complete darkness. Some of the stores here are just pitch black. 
black. Yeah, but that's been going on for the past few hours. The blackout couldn't have come at a worse time. Today's outage could very well impact travel f through the holiday season. It's just really going to be determined by how long the power's out. A holiday travel season where 51 million people are expected to fly on U.S. airlines between December 15th and January 4th. That's almost 2 million more than flew at this time last year. Atlanta, the world's busiest airport. I have no idea what I'm going to do. I'm not even sure if I'm going to get out of Atlanta today. We might have to sleep here tonight. Morgan Radford, NBC News, New York. Autopsy results have revealed the cause of death for a billionaire couple who were found dead in their Toronto mansion on Friday. Toronto police saying that both Honey and Barry Sherman died from, quote, a ligature neck compression. They were found hanging from a railing around their pool. Yesterday, the Sherman family issuing a statement criticizing police for releasing theories and rumors about their deaths to the media. The investigation is now in the hands of Toronto's homicide units. Police saying it is still being treated as suspicious. And south of the border, two police officers are in hospital and a suspect is dead after an early morning shootout in Bremerton, west of Seattle. Police saying that they approached a 53-year-old man wanted in connection with a domestic violence incident. He began shooting at the officers before they returned fire, killing him. One officer was shot multiple times in the stomach. The second officer is expected to make a full recovery. The so-called Islamic State has claimed responsibility for a deadly attack on Christians in Pakistan. Two suicide bombers stormed a church wearing explosive vests and firing guns. Nine people were killed. At least 35 others were hurt, many of them critically. Police killing one of the attackers outside the doors. The other detonated a bomb after being wounded by gunfire. Now a search underway for two other suspects who escaped. An Australian man has been charged with acting as an economic agent for North Korea. 59-year-old Chan Han Choi is accused of attempting to broker tens of millions of dollars in sales for Pyongyang, mostly by selling ballistic missile components and expertise to other countries. This is all in violation of economic sanctions. Choi was born in South Korea, but he's been living in Australia for more than 30 years. He's the first person charged under Australia's Weapons of Mass Destruction Act and faces now up to 10 years in prison. We'll be alleging in court this man was brokering the sale of missile componentry and technical expertise from North Korea to other international entities. We believe this man participated in discussions about the sale of missile componentry from North Korea to other entities abroad as another attempt to try and raise revenue for the government in North Korea. In U.S. politics, Robert Mueller, the special counsel investigating whether Russian hackers helped put President Donald Trump in the White House, is coming under fire. He's being accused of illegally obtaining documents as part of the Russia election probe. Allegations tonight from President Trump's transition team lawyer that special counsel Robert Mueller illegally obtained thousands of emails as part of his investigation into Russian election meddling. But President Trump says he has no plans to fire Mueller. No, I'm not. Mueller's team got the emails from the General Services Administration, a federal agency that stored the material, not Trump for America. Critics say this is another attempt to discredit Mueller. 
None of these claims about Mueller have any basis. Uh, those emails were already the possession mm. of the United States government. In a statement, Mueller's spokesman said, when we have obtained emails in the course of our ongoing criminal investigation, we have secured either the account owner's consent or appropriate criminal process. But the transition team lawyer sent a letter to two congressional committees, published by Politico, saying that documents were private, not government property. This administration has complied in every single possible way with the special counsel. Taxpayers have spent millions and millions of dollars in this investigation that has not yet proven any sense of collusion with the Russians. The White House would rather talk about its tax reform bill, which Congress is expected to pass by Wednesday. You're going to see happy days starting in February where hardworking families see that they have more money. But critics argue the tax bill benefits the wealthiest Americans. Now, it was a very royal top-secret interview that took place in Canada, and after keeping it under wraps for months, we're finally now getting a little sneak peek. It's, 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 it's fun. I'll interview you if you want. No, no. Okay. Uh, let's keep it this way. I'd much prefer that. <laughs> <laughs> a very nervous Prince Harry asking some pretty tough questions in a radio interview with uh, Barack Obama. This was done in September during the Invictus Games in Toronto. Uh, Kensington Palace just releasing some snippets today, though. Uh, the soon-to-be-married Prince asking the former U.S. president on the next generation of leadership and his feelings on leaving office. Uh, the full interview is going to be broadcast on December the 27th on the BBC. Now, it's the busiest time, <coughs> excuse me, of the year to travel. For many, it's also pretty stressful. But for a few people at an airport in Dallas, they found a whole new way to relax. <laughs> Very cute video this. It's going viral of a Dallas airport employee having a dance-off with some young travellers. The dad grabbing the whole thing on video after he noticed his daughters had a new dance partner. The employees busting out some pretty unique moves on the tarmac before then going back to work. Very yeah, sweet. Yes. That's what we all, like when you travel with kids especially and you're waiting to board a flight, that's what you're looking for. They tend to have a little flight. extra energy than us. <laughs> Don't they? Yeah. yeah, exactly. We're quite happy on our phones <laughs> and our gadgets. Uh, it was raining pretty much nonstop where I was today. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's been pretty soggy out there. Uh, the rain's uh, continuing, especially for the evening and even looking ahead towards our Monday. But we are in between systems and there is going to be a bit of a lull in the action. Our satellite and radar, we can see it heavy at times for a few areas. It's stretching in towards the interior. Now, interior sections it is cool enough especially over the next few days but we have been tracking some snow we do have snowfall warnings that are in effect i'll have those areas and how long it will last and some of the totals coming up very shortly but all yeah right. soggy out there a bit of a break somewhere in between all right cheers for that everyone and barry in sports it's uh, it's been a bit of a bloody sunday for the Ooh. local teams i've got uh, just a lot of bad news but that's just just the way it is starting with the canucks we know they've had a few injuries well, they got one more to the last guy they wanted to have injured. Brock Besser, just maybe 10 minutes ago, took a block to shot off his foot, left the ice in a lot of pain. I'm no doctor, although I could pass for one. I believe <laughs> it looks like a broken foot, if you can believe that. He's not coming back, so I'm certainly uh, jumping the gun on that a little bit, but it didn't look very good. Mm. And the Seahawks... Uh, took one of their worst losses ever mm -hmm. at home at one of the worst times of year. So other than that, it was a pretty good day. Okay. Um, yeah. mm. All right, then. We'll do that. And you could pass for a doctor. Yes, very easily. Yeah, well, I, I have a stethoscope in the car. Oh, you do? Yeah. Okay. Uh, still to come, the CP holiday train providing lots of holiday cheer here on the Lower Mainland. Uh, we'll get the latest on its next stop, this time 
it's in the Tri-Cities somewhere. And right after the break, families managed to get into our tough real estate market thanks to Habitat for Humanity. We'll explain that too. Now, for 12 families heading into Christmas, they already know that 2018 will be a better year for them. They'll be moving into new homes in Richmond. And it's all part of Habitat for Humanity's campaign to help local families achieve their dreams of becoming homeowners. Here's Kristen Robinson. So we've got some of the beams come in now for the, for the trusses. After coming to Canada from Ethiopia more than a decade ago, Gamachu Taha never thought he'd be walking into this. Ah, it was a dream come true. The immigrant now helping build that dream for his young family. It's worthwhile, and you learn a lot of things too. There's many, many people living in substandard housing, and our goal is to try to eradicate that. Through Habitat for Humanity, six single-family homes, each with a secondary suite, are being constructed on this land in Richmond. Now with the concrete, uh, once we get... Twelve families, including Taha, his wife, and three young children, will move in next year, based on the nonprofit's model of making homeownership possible for families earning between thirty-five and $65,000 a year. So my wife was really happy and elated and she was looking forward to having her own home and she's really into having her own dishwasher. The affordability comes from being able to pay 30% of their family income. Taha joining volunteers to put in his 500 hours of sweat equity before taking on a mortgage with no money down. Worth every hour. After winning the homeownership lottery amidst Metro Vancouver's housing crisis, Taha can't wait to get his family under their new roof. It's really the best way of, uh, of having a place uh, to kind of to have your children grow in and call home. Kristen Robinson, Global News. Well, your full weather forecast is up next with Yvonne. And also we'll get you an update on California's wildfires. Now the second largest fire in that state's history raging there. Stay with us. Welcome back. Well, in California, firefighters are still trying to get the upper hand against the second largest fire there in the state's history. Firefighters strike back, directly assaulting the monster blaze, consuming so much of Southern California. The massive Thomas fire, burning since December 4th, has killed two and destroyed more than 1,000 homes and businesses. It grew even larger overnight, threatening some 18,000 homes. This is insane. It's, it's uh, the biggest fire I've ever been on. But this morning, a break in the weather. Red flag winds finally dying down, giving crews a small window to act. With weather conditions favorable, firefighters are now going on the attack, trying to pare down hot spots like the ones in this canyon right behind me. More than 8,500 fire personnel have been fighting the fire since it began almost two weeks ago. Many are exhausted. This team from Utah has been on the front lines since the few days after the fire broke out, working 24-hour shifts. You ever seen a fire like this? I mean, this is pretty... We've been on big ones, but not like this, not with all the homes. Many here have been away from their families for weeks. We'll get them home for the holidays is the, is the goal. Those affected by the fires showed gratitude to the first responders. A smile and a thanks, and that's really all we can do right now. And so did some of the area's more famous residents. Oprah tweeting, God bless every firefighter and their families. And Katy Perry sending a big thank you to all the firefighters and first responders. Meanwhile, today was the final journey home to San Diego for fallen firefighter Corey Iverson. People paying their respects. 
In a battle raging into its third week, firefighters now hope they've turned a corner. Yeah, heart really goes out to uh, all of those firefighters uh, working that effort out there right now. Let's get you a weather check with Yvonne. And uh, here it's been raining pretty much nonstop today, Yvonne. Yeah, it's been a soggy one to round off the weekend. We'll continue to see it. A bit of a lull in the action. And I'll time out when we'll start to see some breaks in just a moment. Here's the green, and that's indicating the rainfall. We do have a few heavier pockets right now for the southern sections of the island right along Victoria. And it is falling as snow for higher elevations and pushing in towards the interior sections. A glance at our Power cam this evening, we're sitting at 7 out of the airport, a northeasterly wind at 19 kilometers per hour. That's our high today at 7. We're right where we should be for this time of the year. Average for this time of the year sits at 6 degrees, and a record of 11 degrees was set back on this day in 1994. A very happy birthday this evening to little Janice from Vernon, celebrating 102. So congratulations to you, and I hope you've had a wonderful day. Back to the forecast and what we're seeing, it's this frontal system that's bringing in the moisture Across the southern half of the province, it is falling as rain, but its interior sections, and especially for the southeastern corners of the province, Columbia and Kootenai region, that's where we're tracking the snowfall warnings that are in effect. Anywhere between 15 and up to 25 centimeters will take us in towards our Monday before we start to see a break late in the day. It's also been very treacherous on the roadways today. Here's a video earlier today. This is a two-vehicle crash on McKinley Road in Kelowna. Just one of the several... Ca- crashes called up uh, down the area into the valley today. We're continuing to track that snow. And if you're heading along any of the roadways, do check in with Drive BC. But there is anywhere between 15 and up to 25 centimeters. With the bulk of it will be especially overnight and leading in towards our Monday. For the mountain passes, Paulson Summit to Kootenai Pass, as well as the Eagle Pass to Rogers Pass, that's where we're seeing that 15 and up to 25 centimeter range. Future cast into play. We are going to see a bit of a break tomorrow. We are uh, just seeing a chance of showers, but by the evening and looking ahead towards our Tuesday, that next round of moisture is going to push in, falling as rain and heavy at times Tuesday for the south coast and interior sections. We are going to see another blast of snow. The piece for tomorrow into some sunshine over the next three days, but it is chilly with cool Arctic air on Tuesday and only a high of minus 11. Whitehorse at minus 9 tomorrow. Flurries, a slight chance, isolated for the evening hours on Tuesday and then dry once again on Wednesday. Coastal sections will still hang on to a chance of showers tomorrow. A bright spot will be on Tuesday with a high of 4 and sunny. Caribou and central interior, the flurries are going to ease up overnight. Minus 2 tomorrow underneath a mix of sun and cloud and dry over the next three days. South of it, however, Columbia Kootenai, that's where we're seeing that snowfall. Snowfall warnings in effect. It'll taper off late day tomorrow, but anywhere between 15 and up to 25 centimeters. Thompson Okanagan will see 2 and 4 centimeters throughout much of the day tomorrow and then an additional 2 and 4 centimeters as we approach the evening hours. Whistler tomorrow will still hang on to some flurry activity. Tuesday, it's snow for the morning hours, a clearing towards the evening, sunshine making a return and dry on Wednesday, and a Across the island, it's still going to remain unsettled, especially overnight where we will see that rain tapering off to a chance of showers. I have left in a chance to see some wet flurries on Tuesday, and that'll be along higher elevations. And that's similar across Metro Vancouver. We do have cool air that's starting to push in. Tomorrow will still be a chance of showers, but the early morning hours, especially higher elevations, we could see some wet snow in the mix. Wednesday, a bit of a bright spot, and the return for some rain on our Thursday. Sonia? Not too bad. Thanks very much for that, Yvonne.
Now to a story of a man who came to Canada as a refugee from Cambodia when he was just six years old. Three decades later, he's now built a successful business and is spending his time giving back. Jules Knox of Global Okanagan reports on how one Vernon man and his family are now playing Santa to those in need. We came to Canada with a box of clothes and a bag of rice. That was 28 years ago. The community of Vernon took on Uche's family in after fleeing Cambodia. Now he's giving back with the next generation. Hello. How are you? Yeah, how are you? We got a surprise for you girls. Uche's and his family are giving 10 Lovabella dolls, a hot and largely sold out item this season, away to families throughout North America. You did so good at this. <laughs> Seeing the girl's face when she wanted that doll, that was, I mean, we, I don't know, it just, it hits your heart, right? You know, just totally worth it, what we're doing. How did that make you feel? Happy. After the Uches posted this video online, We got they received more than 3,000 letters to Santa. The winners were grateful. You know, it's a good Christmas present for them because we hadn't actually gotten them anything yet. One person in West Virginia, you know, she said that she can't afford something like this. And to be able to give this to her daughter for Christmas, you know, she was in tears. She was shocked and, you know, it's that's the best feeling. But most important for Uches is passing on to his daughters the value of giving. I grew up, you know, not having a lot. And just seeing what we have now, like, I, I, I really want to show them the true meaning of, like, you know, Christmas and, and life. Jules Knox, Global News, <laughs> Vernon. Great story. What a truly amazing thing to do. Now, Barry is up next. He takes us to Rogers Arena. Uh, things not looking very good on the ice right now for the Canucks. I uh, will get you a full update on that and the day's other sports stories next. All right. There's a, there's a whole load of Canucks fans tweeting right now. Why? 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 We have yes. nice things. We, I know. Well. And the hockey gods apparently not responding. It's been a bit of a, this franchise has been bitten over the years by some bad luck, but oh. it's been pretty bad the last, last couple of weeks, you got to admit. Yes, we'll get to that in a moment. Uh, you know, the Canucks did show their medal on Friday night with a big bounce-back effort against the Sharks, beating them 4-3 in overtime. The trick now is to do that consistently with a, consistently rather with a half-dozen key members of the team on the injured list. Tonight, they got a visit from their rivals, the Flames, and the Sedins have really cranked it up since the injuries. Three assists each against the Sharks, but the Flames open the scoring. Mark Jankowski converts the Sam Bennett pass. One nothing Flames. Calgary got shut out last night in Nashville, so they're on the board tonight. Later in the first, Flame goalie David Riddick with the clearance knocked down by Nick Dowd, and he almost scored. Riddick made a great save. One nothing after one. Second period. Oh, here we go. Mark Giordano with the wrister off the foot of Brock Besser, and he is in. Big pain. Look at him struggle as he tries to get off the ice. Besser will not return, which tells me it's not good. And that look on Jim Benning's face says it all. Another. Only the good players get hurt. Only the good guys. Burmese drops doesn't get hurt, but the rest of them do. And there's the guy who hurt him, and he scores to make it even worse. Mark Giordano. He's, clearance was also the one that broke the uh, jaw of Sven Berchi. So Giordano's had a lot of damage. Jake Bertanen went in hard. They're 3-0 right now, late second for the Flames. 
Well, despite some key injuries on defense and an offensive line that's forced Russell Wilson to run for his life all season long, the Seahawks still have a shot at the playoffs. And if they could beat the Rams today at CenturyLink, Seattle would have the inside track on winning the division. The Seahawks had won 11 of their last 12 against the Rams. And they did look good in their first possession. Russell Wilson connects over the middle with Tanner McAvoy for the first down. But McAvoy fumbles. Rams recovered, got a field goal out of it, and that was just the start of a nightmare day for the Hawks. Later in the first, Farrow Cooper with a 53-yard punt return for the Rams. Almost takes this one all the way, but he's down at the one, but the Rams would punch it in a play later. 13-0 L.A. after one. Second quarter, Jared Goff to Cooper Cup and... He, too, will get close to the end zone, down to the one. Again, the Rams punched it in for a touchdown to play later. It's 20 to nothing. It gets worse. Rams knocking on the door again. Goff to a wide-open Robert Woods. It's 27 nothing. And then the kill shot. Todd Gurley, who had a couple of one-yard TD runs, stretches out the Seahawks on third and 20, of all things. A 57-yard touchdown gallop, 34-0 at the half. Gurley over 150 yards rushing in the half. It was total domination. Russell Wilson was under siege, sacked for a sixth time here in the third quarter. Next play goes down again. A seventh sack. The Seattle offensive line has been a nightmare all season. They were at their worst today. Rams kept the pedal down. Todd Gurley... In the air this time, that's his fourth touchdown of the game. Make it 40 to nothing, Rams. Late in the third, this is really the only thing to cheer about on the day. Russell Wilson to Luke Wilson for a 26-yard TD. 42-7 final. Worst Seahawks loss in the Pete Carroll era. Rams 10-4, Seahawks 8-6. Seattle's playoff chances took a huge blow. Well, plenty of teams around the Hawks in the playoff chase, including the Packers, who welcome back Aaron Rodgers after missing seven games with a broken collarbone. Second quarter, Rodgers with a nice play here to dump it to Randall Cobb, who takes it in for the touchdown. Rodgers, three touchdown passes, but three interceptions as well. Obviously, a lot of rust after that time off. It was 14-10 Green Bay, but Cam Newton brought back the Panthers. Second touchdown of the day to Damier Bird. It was 31-17. Panthers in the fourth. Pack cut the lead to seven. We're driving for the tying touchdown, but Geronimo Allison fumbles after making the catch. Panthers recover. It's a devastating loss for the Pack, who fall 31-24. They're 7-7. Seven and seven. The Panthers are 10-4. and four. Saints and Gents. New Orleans starting the day at 9-4. Second quarter, Drew Brees. To uh, Alvin Kamara for a 10-yard touchdown, 17-10 New Orleans at the half. The Jets hung tough, but the Saints with a little too much firepower. Breeze 40 yards to Michael Thomas, and the Saints win again 31-19. They go to 10-4, and so bad news for the Seahawks all around today with all the teams in the NFC above them winning. Huge AFC battle. Steelers-Patriots 1-2 in the conference, a rematch of last year's AFC title game. Bad news early for Pittsburgh. Antonio Brown injures his calf on this play, did not return. He leads the NFL with 101 catches, over 1,500 yards. Second quarter, Ben Roethlisberger to Martavis Bryant, who makes the one-handed touchdown catch. 17-10 Steelers at the half. This was a fantastic game, more like an NFC, or AFC championship 
championship game. Third quarter, Tom Brady scrambling finds Brandon Cooks for the TD. They miss the extra point, so the pass trail by one. Steelers answer, Le'Veon Bell, three-yard touchdown run. It's 24-16 Steelers. But Tom Brady's had 50 5-0, fourth quarter comebacks, three straight completions to Rob Gronkowski, including this one. Gronk picking this one off his shoelaces. He had nine catches, 168 yards on the day. And then Deion Lewis will run it in for the touchdown. But he did he do it too soon? Still nearly a minute to go, 27-24 New England, but plenty of time for the Steelers. Roethlisberger hits rookie Juju Smith-Schuster over the middle. Now it looks like he's just going to step out, but he keeps going. And does he ever keep going? A 69-yard gain down to the Patriots' 10-yard line. The Steelers in business to win this. And on the next play, Roethlisberger over the middle to Jesse James for the touchdown. But upon further review, James bobbled the ball when he made contact with the ground. You have to survive contact, so they rule it incomplete. No touchdown. So the Steelers still in field goal range, but time for another shot at the end zone. But this time the throw is tipped and picked off. And incredibly, the Patriots avert disaster, pull off an amazing win. Both teams 11-3, and three, but the Pats have the inside track for first in the AFC. Wow, what a game. Back to the NFC, 11-2 and two Eagles looking to take another step toward clinching first in the conference at the Giants. Nick Foles at quarterback with Carson Wentz out for the year with the torn ACL, but Foles can play. Hits Trey Burton for the touchdown, 21-20 Eagles, and then... In the third, Foles with his fourth touchdown of the day. This one to Nelson Aguilar. 34-29 Eagles win. They lead the NFC at 12-2. and And we'll have one more. Vikings and Bengals. Minnesota with a chance to clinch a playoff spot with a win. And uh, they really put the pedal down early on the Bengals. Eric Kendricks picks off Andy Dalton. 31-yard pick six. 14-0 Vikings mid-first quarter. Case Keenum with two more TD passes today, including this 20-yarder to Stephon Diggs. And the Bikes clinched the NFC North 34-7. Minnesota is 11-3. Still to come, Sunday action from the English Premiership featuring Manchester United. And the Raptors welcome legend Vince Carter back to the ACC as they take on the Sacramento Kings. Highlights when we come back. Welcome back. Well, the NBA season is only at the one-third mark, but already there's a definite separation atop the Eastern Conference. There's the Celtics, Cavaliers, and Raptors, and then the rest. Toronto is hanging with the other two, thanks to a strong home record, 10-1, and as they got set to host Sacramento this afternoon. Vince Carter, now 40, traded from the Raps 13 years ago this week. That D.C. can still play, lays it in to help the Kings to a one-point lead at the break, but the Raptors... Take it up a notch in the second half. Norman Powell with the three. The Raps have emphasized the three ball this year, feeling that is the path to a championship. Kyle Lowry seals the deal with another three, the 13th of the day for Toronto. 108-93. They're now 11-1 at home. Best win percent in the NBA and quite possibly Vince Carter's final game in Toronto. English Premiership. West Brom hosting second place. Man United, 27th minute. Marcus Rashford with the service. Romelu Lukaku with the header, and it's 1-0 United lead on the road. 35th minute, they'll add to the lead. Jesse Lingard loads up the right boot off a defender and in. He'll take it. 2-0 Manchester United at the break in the 77th. West Brom make it interesting. Off the corner, it'll be Gareth Barry 
who will poke it into the corner. That cut it to 2-1, but that was the final. United win, but they do trail Man City by 11 points for top spot in the English Premiership. Liverpool at Bournemouth. Philip Coutinho and uh, Liverpool looking to climb the standings, and it's the Brazilian with the opening goal. Brilliant move there to make it 1-0, and before the end of the half, another great individual effort. This time, Mohamed Salah outmuscles the defenders and scores 4-0 the final as Liverpool jumps over Arsenal into that fourth spot in the table. Back to the NHL, Blues and Jets from Winnipeg. St. Louis won 2-0 last night in St. Louis. This time it was the Jets' turn to pitch the shutout, and they got a nice goal from Patrick Lyonnais in his uh, 16th on the power play. After a slow start, he is filling the net. Third period, Mark Scheifele will redirect the Josh Morrissey feed, his 15th as the Jets win it 4 to nothing. And out at the uh, Langley Events Center, this final just in, Vancouver Giants have now won six in a row. David Tendek had the shutout as uh, Vancouver really climbing up the standings, just three points out of second now. And the Western League's on a break. They're a Christmas uh, break. They're not back in action until December 27th. That's it for sports. We're right back after this. Here's a look at your conditions on the mountains. Whistler Blackholm with a base of 139. Grouse with 17 new centimeters of snow, Cypress 13, Sasquatch 15 new centimeters of snow. Revelstoke with a base of 118, Manning Park a base of 62, Powder King 15 new centimeters of snow and a base of 171. Big White with 7 new centimeters of snow, Silver Star 6, Sun Peaks 4, Apex with a base of 77. All right, finally tonight, if you think you've got a lot of Christmas decorations up in and around your house, uh, just take a look at what this woman from Edmonton has done to hers. With the flip of a switch, a holiday scene lights up. Thousands of figurines and hundreds of toy buildings make up this massive Christmas village. Never expected it to get this big. When we moved into this house, there's just no room for it inside the house. So my husband suggested, why not put it in the garage? You need the space to fit Ferris wheels, ski lifts, and candy cane lane. There's even room for Waldo. Mancini moved to the Edmonton area last year, so she added Churchill Square, the high-rises downtown, and of course, the city's beloved Oilers. Every year I try to, to make something different to put in there that I've made myself. Every year it's set up differently. There's no rhythm, no reason, no rhyme to it all. But this Christmas village isn't just for show. It's therapy for Mancini, whose son Michael died in 1998 from an asthma attack. That Christmas was a very somber Christmas, as you can imagine. And Mike's place in the corner there was the first house I set up in our window in our house. And it's just been growing every year ever since. Every year since, Mancini has put up the display, a feat that usually takes weeks. But she doesn't mind. Every Christmas it kept me busy. It kept me from thinking sad thoughts. And it just kept me busy. It just kept my mind occupied, my hands occupied. She says it's impossible to put a number to how many figurines and toy buildings there are. Some are store-bought, others are homemade. All serve one purpose. This has become, I guess you could say, my savior. It, it really helped me get through every holiday season 
since our son passed away. A Christmas village in honor of a son taken too soon, and a display helping turn grief into joy. Julia Wong, Global News. That's pretty spectacular, mm. isn't it? And a great story behind that as mm-hmm. well. All right, we'll leave you tonight with the CP holiday train. Uh, if you were in Port Moody, you would have seen it stopping off there this afternoon. Thanks for watching. Join us at 11.